how do advertisers or brands like adapt to this? You know what I mean? Like, it's weird to your point. It felt like it was just kind of a phase where every ad was the same thing for and saying the same thing for so long. And then they're just like, okay, things are back to normal again. Okay. Episode 19, we are back. Now it does actually feel like we're back because you know it's been a couple weeks. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, a lot's happened. A lot's happened in the world of advertising and marketing. But bigger news is just the general sense of COVID, the second wave, pretty much still around. Still yeah, around. Oh, it's man. crazy because we originally talked about this. I think in one of our earlier episodes in May, where we, it's funny, I was I was looking back at the the topics that we were covering before, and I was comparing them against uh, some of the topics that we're going to be going over today. Yeah, thinking about like you know looking back, it was like oh like when will the government uh, loosen the restrictions and when and that seems so it seems so you know distant ago. You know what I mean? It seems like mm-hmm. it was it was such a long time ago that things were starting to open up, but just as quickly things are starting to shut down again um are they shutting down or is it just the weird thing is like the cases are going up things aren't shutting down necessarily but the government is telling you not to go out right i think it's like yeah to to clarify uh, i I think that you know i think it's only a matter of time if we're you know what i mean we're yeah. getting notifications from the government being. I say notifications like Doug Ford is like sliding <laughs> in my me, he's like your Malik. Uh. <laughs> Justin Trudeau's like, hey man, I just uh, I just messaged you on Snapchat. Uh, check yeah, it yeah. out. No, but um, it's you know it's kind of interesting because yeah, we are in that weird in between phase, kind of like where we were in like late April, um, or or I should say um, late March that is probably a better, better time frame where we're in this uncertain circumstance where things are still open, but it's not, you know, it's not hundred percent kosher. It's not, it's not safe. Um, The government actively telling people to, you know, stay inside similar to what they did before. um, And just, you know, uh, things, I think it's only a matter of time when, when restaurants, bars, all that start to close down. Um, but I think that's a that's for that's uh, you know for a good cause, right? Like we should we should be doing that because it's I feel like things opened up really really quickly in the last couple of months, and yeah. you know it, it. I think I said this in one of the earlier episodes where we had the benefit of kind of learning from this situation that's been happening, um, you know, with COVID, especially with um, things that are you know around the world. Um, you see different countries starting. You can see the trend of, okay, we're going to be there in, you know, a couple months time. So what can we do to prepare? And I feel like we kind of just ignored all that because we wanted to go to bars, but. Absolutely. If you look at the cases, like it's younger people for the most part, like they're under 35. So it's like summertime in Toronto, young people. I'm seeing people on Twitter and Instagram stories that doing like house parties and stuff like that and park hangs, but they're literally right beside another group right beside them. So you know what I mean? It's like people people know that the cases are going up even now, but it's like they want to just squeeze out like what's remaining of summer. 
I think now that the weather is getting worse and like summer is technically over, we are going to see people like not out as much. Yeah. Um, Cause what are you really going to do? Like you can't go on patios when it's freezing cold outside. Right. Well, so, that, and that's the thing too. Right. And that's sort of the thinking that I had when things started to open back up. Like we know it's not a hundred percent safe. We know yeah. that there's still cases that are happening. Like we, we, you know, slowed it down a little bit and you know, but I just think that we we just wanted to get back out there as quickly as we could and Literally, that's right. made that happen regardless if it was like, you know, 100% safe or not. You know what I mean? And I think that it rushes to, like, we, we rush to open things back up and I totally understand that about the, you know, economy and, you know, keeping businesses, you know, open and so money is flowing through. But it's just like, damn, this is like, you know, we knew this was coming. We can't say that we didn't. We didn't know it was going to be here. And how, you know, how could we have planned for it better? I could go on and on about this, but mm-hmm. you know, I think to to bring things back a little bit, I wonder when offices are going to be opening back up. You know what I mean? Because you know, over the course of the summer, you know, my office um, and I'm sure a lot of other agencies have had similar like returning to work policies kind of thing that we're just under the assumption that things were going to progress and get better. And now things are getting worse. So how do you think that affects, you know, the landscape of, you know, commuting people going back to into office spaces, like what the plan for that is, what the protocol will be from that? Like, what do you think about that? I think everything is so inconsistent when it comes to COVID. Like, I don't know how you can explain how kids can be back in school, but we can't be back in offices yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't align with like maybe someone can explain that to me but it just doesn't make sense in my mental model um yeah yeah um so yeah for me i'm just really confused it's like i do think we could probably go back to the offices like if there was just restrictions as to how many people can be on a certain floor and what we do at my company is i think they're allowing like you would sign up and then there's a max of 10 people that can be in that office on that mm-hmm. day. If you really want to work in an office, obviously you have to wear a mask. And if you're in a meeting room, you have to wipe it down when you're finished. Um, so for me, I'm staying home cause I don't want to do that extra work. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to do that. I'm good on that. Yeah. So I feel like places could do that, but it just begs the question, like why, like if we could just wait, then let's just wait. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I totally Depends agree. on if you own your building, though, and if you're getting any kind of, of um, help with rent or stuff like that. So it's, very a, dependent. it's a very complex situation, right? Like, very, very. we never really had to explore or encounter before. But I think that, you know, when I talk to, when I talk to a bunch of different people about it, there's always that, like, oh, like, well, you know, the the percentages of people who get sick is, like, super low and yada, yada, yada. Like, you know, we have to be willing to accept some kind of risk. And I'm like, I, I get that. I, I kind of get that. But, like, I also would rather err on the side of caution when dealing with a pandemic that no one really knows the answer to yet. Like, what is the, what is the harm in being safe? What is the harm in... in you know, protecting kids, you know what I mean? From, you know, going back to school and stuff like that. I think that that school is opening up. Like one of my best buddies back home, he's uh, he's a teacher and he's telling me that kids are just, you know, dropping left, right and center. Right. The teachers are having, well, they're, they're, yeah, 
kids are getting oh, sick yeah. or like parents are sending their kids to work when they have like a cough or a you know a stuffy mm-hmm. nose or something like that which i'm just like that is that only confirms my belief that i'm in at least the the right section of my career i don't want to deal with any of those uh, any of that right right that's that's tough but in and of itself is you know it's a little bit it's a little bit strange how i think schools are are just comfortably opening back up when you know slogans are like you know we're here to keep you safe you know it's we're all in this together i'm like what do you mean we're all we're packing you know snot-nosed kids into a a a classroom with 30 other kids in there and you know what do you think is gonna happen it just blows my mind but again i'm even seeing it's like marketing messages kind of change. Like I'm seeing less of the, you know, we're all in this together now and it's almost treating it as if COVID is no longer around. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, but like, I'm not really seeing much awareness COVID advertising. This is what we're doing to help you. I feel like that kind of happened in the summer. And then now that things are open, it's like, come on in, you know? Yeah. Well, I I also think like it begs the question, like how do you advertisers, or brands like adapt to this. You know what I mean? Like it's weird to your point. It felt like it was just kind of a phase where every ad was the same thing for, and saying the same thing for so long. And then they're just like, okay, things are back to normal again. Okay. Let's just like, let's just, yeah, yeah, bet. Like, (laughs) let's just go off. You know what I mean? And it's only going to be a matter of time before we like see more of those, of those ads come back out. And it's just like, guys, like, you know, why, why are we rushing to get back into things? I think the brands that are the smartest are the ones who have like, you know, I don't know what they are, but I think the ones that I think do some of the best are ones who are able to think really long term. Right. And I think that, you know, what does that look like to you? Well, for this, well, that's a great question. I I can't confidently answer that right now. But what I think is probably the smartest thing to consider is that, like, we knew that the second wave was going to happen, right? Like, we knew this. This was like, it it was science based on the way that we were opening back up, based the way that, like, we're, you know, interacting, we're able to interact with people again, like, those kinds of things where it's just like, it's inevitable, so when this kind of stuff happens again, what are we going to do? And I think brands that are are smart have thought about like, okay, yeah. let's not pivot too far from where we were in April. Let's just evolve and build off of that. Mm-hmm. Showing masks in a commercial isn't going to do the trick for me. You know what I mean? Like it's that's not like a, that's not a strategy. Also, just like spending, like wouldn't it be crazy if there was a, a full second wave just like March and we had to shut things down? And people just got laid off the same way. And we just went through this whole cycle again. It would just show that no one learned anything. Like no companies had um, uh, like a COVID strategy, a pandemic strategy in place after, you know, taking a beating the first time. I think it would just really, it'd be really sad to see if if we entered uh, a similar stage as to like March and April where all your friends were getting laid off. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you hate to see that kind of stuff. Like you don't. Yeah. Like, it's unfortunate because it's like, as we're trying to progress and, you know, make money and, um, and by we, I mean, like, I'm talking from the perspective of like a brand, you really have to consider the people that you're, that are, you know, being employed uh, by your organization. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, we want to rush and we want to, you know, put out ads and we want to like 
be able to restart our economy, restart our business and like all that yeah. kind of stuff. At the same time, like without that forward thinking and without that sort of evolution, you're potentially sacrificing, you know, your employees well being because it's like, Oh, well, we didn't execute this properly and we didn't do the things that we Our were bad. able to do. Yeah. So now that now we have to fire, you know, 30% of our staff again, <laughs> we'll maybe, come back and then buy. You know? Yeah. And maybe I might be oversimplifying it. I probably am. I have a really good tendency of doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. you know, I, I think that it, it begs the question, like did brands really like give up on these things once everything started to clear up like did we just throw out you know three or four months of like thinking when it came to covid as soon as things started to go back to normal we're like okay well, let's put this book down and open up back where we used to be and then go from there mm-hmm. like we're talking about you know you know when you think about production you know what i mean production is a big part of any advertising agency and it's an entirely like it's a massive section of pretty much any business right um, and when, you know, uh, and I'm talking production in terms of like video content, you know, commercials, social content, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, are those essential services? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like we're, our work, we're creating advertising and like, you know, it's not to say that I'm not happy to be working because I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to, but when yeah. you think about like, you know, the people who are, who have to be on set, the, these people have to be paid and they're, you know, going on set. There's, I know now that there's limited amounts of people who um, are able to actually be on set and stuff like that, but you're still, you know, risking that. Like that's a huge risk for, you know, for what benefit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I think, um, not to fully shift, but I, I, I think a good example of a brand that is thinking kind of forward, I guess it's not too forward, but if you think about it, trick-or-treating is not going to be something that people are going to do this year. Or it's still in contention, like I'm seeing online, where parents want to do it, and then the government's like, don't do it. Yeah, it's um, a, <laughs> like, what do you mean? For the kids, man, for the kids. Yeah, it's, like, it's literally like, Okay, Jimmy, so what do you do after every time that you go outside? You wash your hands and everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we don't, like, we don't, you know, touch, you know, <laughs> random people. We don't come in contact with random people. Understood? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I'll just go up to this random person's, every random person's house on the street and just and take grab it. Them. <laughs> I do a weird concept to begin with. But, Sounds like, perfect. You, yeah. you, can't possibly, you can't possibly think that that's a good idea this year. Yeah. And but one thing I'm seeing is uh, obviously because that's a huge, um, a huge area for you know chocolate sales and, and brand awareness for for those brands. But I was reading an article about Hershey and they're kind of like pivoting to offer this like um, Snapchat trick or treating experience where you're able to like win prizes and it just helps tie that brand recognition with that you know young yeah. um, audience that isn't going to be able to trick-or-treat so yeah that's kind of a light example but i feel like at least they're thinking forward into okay people might not be trick-or-treating they might not be buying hershey as much in uh october so how do we stay on top of their minds yeah man and you know what like i think that's a i think that's a great idea and it just it's crazy to me because it it goes to show that like you know when people we talk about you know digital first thinking and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah. years right Mm-hmm. Don't you think that like 
we should have, we could have had this all figured out by now. Like, don't you, don't you think that like we're we're clinging on to like the past when it comes to like a lot of like traditional communications channels and the production of those and you know getting our message out there and all that kind of stuff? Don't you think that like brands who have adapted really well or haven't really been affected are the ones that are just seamlessly just um, you know doing what they do in terms of like digital advertising e-commerce all that kind of stuff like amazon is is good to go right now you know what i mean yeah they've done better but that's also just the nature of their business right for sure and i think that like that the point that i'm trying to make there is like the thinking of being like okay we want to be digital first so this is how this is how we do it and, you know, brands right now are like still figuring it out and still trying to catch up about, you know, it's like, oh, how can we really implement this? How can we make this make sense? And you know what I mean? Like, it's just like we had time to do this and we just ignored it for so, so long because we didn't we didn't trust it, dare I say, or we didn't know how to use it. But now mm-hmm. it's like, OK, we have to we have to be better as brands. You have to be better in terms of digital advertising or e-commerce any of that kind of stuff again maybe i'm oversimplifying it but i just think that the brands that are doing it the best are the ones who figured it out 10 years ago 15 years ago yeah absolutely and and i i think we um because we have a topic later on that i think we can cover some of that um when we talk about a big shopping event that's coming out later this year so we'll be able to talk about you know if brands are gonna be able to pivot in that space and, and really enhance their digital experience. 100%. We'll get to that. We'll get to it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, like a TV show. <laughs> yeah, we'll be right back after these scheduled messages. <laughs> but something I definitely want to talk about today before we get to that um, is having stories on every single social platform of all time. Ugh. So... The introduction of of LinkedIn stories. You know, I've been pretty outspoken on Twitter about it. Uh, so having stories on LinkedIn were <laughs> literally pretty much IG stories, but brought to the LinkedIn platform. And then Twitter is also uh, exploring stories. So they're kind of like A-B testing it. Some people have it, some people don't. Um, but yeah, those two social networks now have stories. And stories are now everywhere, if you think about it. I think... Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitter what Snapchat. else is it? YouTube oh. has their own sense of it as well. What? what? <laughs> Snapchat. Oh. I, I didn't even mention Snapchat and they started it. I That's know. Crazy. Remember when stories were exclusive to Snapchat? Like that That's was the crazy. Cool, that was like glorified Snapchat days right there. That's My like, mind goes to Instagram first. They've actually they've dominated yeah, now. now now it does for sure mm-hmm. i never i don't really did snapchat stories though i don't really do instagram stories that much and if it is like it's something stupid like posting a song thinking <laughs> i think people care about what i would but do no one clicks yeah that's so what yeah. about linkedin what's gonna what's it gonna take for you to to post a story um uh, i mean <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't listen what am i gonna say <laughs> what am I going to say on, on LinkedIn? You know what I mean? I th- I find yeah. LinkedIn to be one of the most obnoxious social media platforms as it is already. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I first got it, I used it as a way to sort of like make professional connections, like look for jobs, uh, you know, uh, you know, expand my network, 
all those kinds of things. And like now it's just become like a, it's like LinkedIn influencers are like, have to be the worst. Like they absolutely have to be the worst. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, it just seems like it's a, like it's a, a, a flexing zone. You know what I mean? It's just a place where people go to like flex their importance and say, Oh, I, I started with nothing and I oh. worked really hard to get this. And now I have this position at this. Cause I was, it's just stuff like that. And I'm like, if this stuff is trickling into stories, yeah, like, please. Like, I don't, I don't need this, man. Like I, I don't like LinkedIn is full of embellished stories. Like, I don't mean stories like the platform stories. I mean like people telling stories where it's like, I don't believe this. I I'm reading this night and, and I don't think it's true. I think you're, I think you're adding so much, so much like fluff to this to make yourself seem better than you actually are. Yeah. And I think arguably you know, what we do on social media, but that's what I'm saying. I was like, I, I think inherently that's a trait of what we picked up using social media over the years, but it's just like, let's go back to the root of, you know, the, the purpose of each platform, Facebook yeah. and Instagram, connecting with people, sharing pictures. Cool. Snapchat, sharing pictures, sharing what you're up to. LinkedIn, what's the purpose of it? Yeah. To network, to, you know, to, to look for jobs. Like they want to be more Malik. They want to be more. I know. Man. Be everything. I know. It's, it's just so brutal. Cause it's like, there's no need for that. We don't need to expand it. Like expand on the things that you do really well, like make LinkedIn premium free like, or, or, or anything like that. Like make it, make it more accessible to people. Like you don't need stories. Like I don't need to read stories of and and mind you Jack, like i've added way too many people like i definitely need to do like a linkedin I'm cleaning it up yeah most of the people that i talk or that i you know have on my list i don't even know and that was when i was a student just being like oh i'm gonna add this guy from this agency because like my prof said he was sick once like you know what i mean and then never Remember when the 500 plus was so important yeah like, i was I like, want to do everything just to get 500 plus connections it yeah was like, it was it was stupid because when, when you stupid. look back on that, it's like, what did that accomplish? Yeah, nothing. Like, you know, it didn't I mean? get me an extra job. It didn't make me look any cooler than I am. You know what I mean? Like, it definitely didn't help on that part for sure. <laughs> but just no, pushing what, the connect button on everyone from high school and yeah. college. <laughs> what's your uh, What's your take on on the stories then? Like, what, how do you feel about it? Um, so the people I'm seeing use it are very much the classic LinkedIn influencer. Like Gary V is now yelling through story format. (laughs) And just the classic like entrepreneur types where it's like, Hey, do you want to do what I'm doing? This is what, you know, how you do it. Check out my ebook or or whatever. Um, so, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna wait around and see if like people I actually know start using it. And I want to see how they're using it. If it's actually, you know, helpful for them, but yeah. it kind of takes me back to Facebook stories. Cause like who uses those? Yeah. Like, like my aunt, my uncle, but like, I'm not seeing any of my actual friends use those stories. I'm very curious to see what that engagement is like, like, has that worked well for them? You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, it just, to me, it just seems like it's a useless feature that ta- only takes away from what it's supposed to do. Yeah. And- and they keep shoving it in your face too. Like if you notice the design updates on Facebook, if they keep making that section larger and larger and they're like trying to direct your focus there. And I'm like, guys, I don't want to use it. Like I haven't clicked it. It's just like, yeah. can I they hide this from the world? World? 
Oh, that's exactly it, right? It's just like it's like guys, like stop making what's that quote from Mean Girls or whatever? It's like stop <laughs> making stories happen. Yeah, or, yeah. Whatever it is, the, the fetch or whatever. I don't fetch, know. Yeah. I watched that movie only a couple times, but anyway. Like, <laughs> is I your think, opinion different on Twitter? Uh, I think it's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, I think I think stories just inherently are a little obnoxious. Um, I'm hypocritical by saying that. Totally recognize it. Call me out. Whatever. Yeah. But I, I think that uh, Twitter makes a little bit more sense because it's like more of just like a social platform. If that makes sense, like it's more of just a lighthearted, like the content is what you make it kind of thing. And, you know, if stories are a part of that, fine. I'm not going to go ahead and post a bunch of, you know, Twitter stories or anything like that. I don't even have Twitter, but yeah, yeah. it's just, I think it's a little bit different because the purpose of that platform is to like, just get updates, you know, consume content. And if stories are involved with that, then, you know, that's just a part of what you're making it. Versus LinkedIn, it's kind of like there's a specific use for that platform that I use it for. But if that's not, if I'm not using it for networking or, uh, you know, looking for jobs, I'm not looking for a job right now. If anyone is just listening to this from my agency, for the record. <laughs> but yeah. it's like if, if I'm not using it for that, then what's, what's the point? What do I have to share? What do I have to say? Like, so yeah. that's where I think we've taken the idea of stories and we've flipped it inherently. Because if you go back to Snapchat, Snapchat's a very personal app. You only have people on there that you're friends with and that you know. So you're mm -hmm. sharing stories because they can see a window into your life that they actually care about. Right. I'd also say Instagram is pretty personal in that sense where a lot of the people you have that you follow or follow you are your friends and, and family for the most part. So again, a story makes sense because they're seeing a window into your life. Yeah. On LinkedIn and Twitter is where I see the disconnect because I think that's more, I have a lot of people on LinkedIn that I don't know and I'll never meet. I don't need them to see a, a window into my life. On Twitter, same thing. A lot of the people I follow or follow me, I've never met. I probably will never meet. They don't need to see a window into my life. So that's that's just the way I see stories. And I'm wondering if most people see it that same way. Yeah. Or no, it's just I, a personal aspect, you know? Yeah, I, I buy that. Because I think it's on LinkedIn, like, again, like, I'm just going back to the use of what it's for. Like, what, like, hey, everyone, I'm looking for a job. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine that. You know what I mean? Like, what is it? What, like, what are you supposed to, what are you supposed to get out of that? Like, I just. Oh, man. Think about if LinkedIn stories came out in 2015. 16 when we graduated we totally would have been like yo work like slide dms please like just <laughs> dumb shit like you know what i mean like it's just yeah. I, I buy your statement though i think that you know when you think about like how it's personalized and the people consuming it are um you know likely people that you know I think it makes sense because you're sending a message to, to those people directly on LinkedIn. Yeah. You don't need to have like a direct connection with the, with the people who follow you. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't need to have any of that. It's just, it's almost like strangers. Most yeah. of the people yeah. that I have on LinkedIn are just complete strangers that I'm like, Oh, okay. Like when I was younger and by younger, I mean like two or three years ago, <laughs> I, when I started like using LinkedIn, like heavily, it yeah. was kind of like, Oh yeah, this guy is a, you know, 
founder at X agency in India, like Bial Adam sounds, sounds like he's a legit guy. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. Like I, this person doesn't care what I'm doing. I don't really care what that person's doing, but so why am I, why am I sharing my information with, with them? You know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense. Like people from all around the world. Literally, man, I get birthday uh, messages from people I've never, yeah. <laughs> never I'm just like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Dude, I don't even respond to those. And as bad as that sounds, it's kind of just like, ah, oh, you know what? Um, appreciate it. But uh, this is a this is a reminder to me that I need to delete you off of this because I don't know who you are. Like, honestly, it's what I've done. Yeah, I think it just comes down to that tool in itself, because I think LinkedIn often tries to push those interactions where they're like, say congrats or wish yeah. this person happy birthday. And it's, they're really trying to make it more of a full social network. But yeah. it's like, and eh, it's not really it. Like, it's you know, I don't interact with this person. <laughs> so why are you telling me to, to say congrats about their job? You know, yeah, their promotion. I'm like, nice. I don't, I don't know them. Ooh, so. bro, like, congratulations. <laughs> I really really appreciate that anyways um yeah, back to my LinkedIn heavy. i i i like linkedin for the most part sometimes so it's not yeah. all like negative feedback you know but for, for what it is yeah. yeah exactly for what it is it's it's legit right like it's like i use it for networking and when i'm looking for work it's a good tool to have you know what i mean yeah. but yeah. other than that i'm just like okay cool like most of the notifications i get are like they're they're not relevant Mm-hmm. there's nothing for me to do because whenever i get a notification on um like instagram or something or a message dm on instagram i'm like oh okay cool like this person is talking to me or saying something like somebody i know is likely talking to me versus like some random person's birthday who's in germany you know what i mean like i'm just like i i don't know you and why does this <laughs> anyway i feel like i could go on Definitely. let's move what's that Let's, let's jump on to, a, to, a, to the next topic. Let's go to the next topic. What do we got? So, oh. yeah, it's time, man. <laughs> well, it, it, well, let me do a quick intro here, but I realize that um, this is kind of like a feature that we're just starting, a feature that we're testing out. We're doing mad yeah, software. software. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Dilemma, man. We are um, trying this thing out where we ask you, the listener, to submit – uh, you know, a topic or an idea that you'd like us to talk about. Um, yeah. So we've actually gotten a couple really good submissions from our loyal followers, uh, loyal listeners. Um, and this is something that we just want to start implementing. So if you have any ideas or comments or any topics that you want us to talk about, just hit us a line on our Instagram DM and we will absolutely um, chat about it in our next episode. But who do we got? As our first uh, submission, Jack. So we alluded to it in uh, the earlier part of the episode, but we have Mike Burden at Beer Mostly on Instagram. Um, and he my suggested, <laughs> yes, your guy. He suggested we talk about Black Friday in 2020. So what might that look like um, in store, more digital, just with the, out, with the pandemic and Black Friday? How do those things coincide? Uh, um, that's, a, that's a really good yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. And, you know, I think uh, as we're in this like in-between phase where we're not like we kind of know what's going to happen, but we're in an in-between phase where nothing's happened yet. Um, I think yeah. companies will try and push this out as quickly as quickly as they can and be like, OK, well, like how when's Black Friday again? November 27th. Yeah, I think I think by the time that 
Is it that far away? Far out? I thought it was. I thought it was sooner. I think so. Yeah, Black In Friday. Canada. I, anyways, regardless, um, I think that it's going to be a really interesting, you know, time. And I think the the brands and the companies, whatever it is, like that, have the best um, e-commerce systems that are set up for something like this will succeed. And I, you know, historically, those have been the the best buys, the Amazons, the you know all those different companies that have a direct feature where you can like buy something online and have it shipped to your house. Yeah. yeah. To me, it, it seems like a no brainer. I think that be fine. the or, companies yeah. that will, that will struggle are, uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of smaller businesses that don't have the capacity to be able to do those kinds of things, you know what I mean? Which is not ideal and not great for them. But I think the ones that again, will really, really struggle uh, are the ones that don't really have a solid, um, e-commerce setup, um, you know, electronic kind of operations, um, digital marketing strategies, digital advertising, like those things I think are fundamental for the success of any company that's going into or looking to do a Black Friday sale. Some might just forego it altogether and just be like, listen, we, we've already taken a hit this year. Maybe we just don't do something and we just focus on Christmas, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it'll be kind of like a pick and choose. It'll be, it's, it's tricky, right? Because like I was saying before, we're kind of in this in-between phase where we don't know. I mean, we don't, we don't know when things are going to close down like indefinitely. Um, and if like shopping in store will be a reality for a lot of people. Um, for me, I would say, no, I'm good, but I'm not everybody, but I don't know. What do you think? And just think about it. We're also not as bad as the States in terms of, how they treat Black Friday. So for me, like when I saw this topic, the first thing I thought about was all the people that get trampled every year for a TV, all the people that are rushing into Walmart and all of these stores. Like, how is that going to work? Well, I just the of, pandemic? well, that's the thing. I just thought of like a really funny, like fake ad where it's like, and by really funny, I mean, I thought it was kind of funny, but <laughs> it was like, we made Black Friday safe for you to shop. Because of our social distancing rules, uh, there will be no trampling of anybody because we have to stay six feet apart. <laughs> that sounds like a you-know-what agency ad, but I won't even No names necessary. <laughs> oh, man. But it is true, though. You know, but I, I want to get your thoughts. Like, what do you what do you think about you know uh, Mike's comment here? I think it's I think it'll be really interesting. I would love to get his thoughts too, Mike. If you're listening to this right now, drop us a line. Yeah, I um I think that like I'm, I'm definitely looking at, looking at it more so the U.S. side, but I think these companies have a responsibility, like uh to really regulate this and obviously there's if you, i'm thinking of walmart primarily or those big retailers like they make so much money during black friday because of that rush and because of the amount of people that come in but they almost need to take the ethical stance here and say that you know we need to limit the amount of people that are coming in and that means limit mm -hmm. the amount of sales that we're going to get mm -hmm. so like i would like these companies to be put on the spot and to have that kind of messaging where it's like listen, you know, we're in a pandemic, we need to get through this together. So Black Friday is not going to be the same that it usually is. This is what we're doing in place to make sure that we don't have that many people in the store. Because man, like if you remember all these 
compilation videos of people fighting in stores and pushing past employees. Dude, it was like, crazy. Say that's not going to happen this year if, if Walmart doesn't take a very big stance, and not just Walmart, other retailers, if they don't take a very big stance in saying, that's not going to happen this time, this is why. Yeah. I would love to see what that looks like, what that communication looks like, and if it actually resonates with people. But these companies need to say something where it's like, everybody chill. We're in a pandemic. You're not, you might not get the TV you want this year. We're going to take it financially too, but we'll Well, get to that. Yeah. One, if, if you're in a sticky place financially, you shouldn't be rushing out to these places, but isn't it crazy that like we're thinking about how brands can, or companies, I should say, follow that type of protocol right where it's just like oh we can't just have people like rushing in we can't do this like that's a reality for a lot of like brick and mortar um you know stores right now right it's just weird because like when you put the onus on the individual it's kind of like well we know they're just gonna act up and because like they're just trying to run and grab that tv and they don't really give a shit about anybody's safety at that point whether it's covid or it's trampling somebody by accident yeah yeah it's a crazy concept to me and I, I never even looked at it like that so I think that's a really good perspective but it's a really sad perspective too because I definitely, think definitely. It, it totally shifts the you know it's it's like awareness on the company's part to be like yo these these guys are gonna fuck shit up really hard like what can we do to like prevent something like this from happening when it's just like damn like we really aren't there as a civilization where we can't just respect these kinds of rules not at all. Not even close. <laughs> like, it's, it's embarrassing. It's, uh, we'll have to do a follow-up episode on, on after Black Friday when we can actually see what happens. 100%. Mike, thank you so much. Good for the note. Oh. We got another one. We got another user submission. You want to say this one? You say this one. I did the last one. <laughs> I actually did the last one, but it's all good. Oh. Uh, yeah, so this is Fanny RK. She's been on the show twice now. Love Fanny at savory underscore boy on Instagram. Um, And she brought up, you know, let's talk about ads made with AI. So artificial intelligence. Um, So how is it used in advertising? And, you know, is AI coming for our jobs? Just kind of talking about that perspective. Um, I can, I can go first. Yeah. Uh, I don't know a lot about AI. I don't know a lot about it. Why don't you start and I'll jump off. Yeah. So, um, Artificial intelligence is basically tech that mirrors like human intelligence um, and sometimes at a greater scale, like in a better way. So my understanding of where that can fit in advertising, and I'd love to hear Fanny's opinion because I might not know too much, but obviously just with digital marketing for the most part. So testing like online ads and adapting based on the performance of those campaigns and different audiences. So optimizing them, that's Mm -hmm. all pretty much AI. Um, on the creative side, I think that I don't see it, it really working properly. Like, I don't know if you remember that Nike ad that they made using AI where they're able to um, feed the feed the computer like decades of Nike ads. And then it will basically optimize a new ad based on what it what it's learned. It's very choppy. It doesn't really work. It's like kind of a cool concept. But when you actually see it in execution, it very it's very basic you know what i mean like it's not really a good ad it's just a bunch of words on a black screen you know so i don't think there'll ever be a point where a creative team will be replaced by ai or anything like that i think no. the creative team will use ai to their advantage and that's where it fits where 
we can use it to learn things, but it's not going to replace our inherent jobs. Well, that's that's the thing too, right? It's uh, You mentioned a really, really interesting point there where it's just like, we'll never have AI like take over someone's position necessarily, like a creative person's position. But mm-hmm. I think creative oversight on what gets produced by that AI will have to be some kind of yeah. like digital creative integrated role, mm-hmm. right? To like monitor and be like, okay, like this makes sense. This works. This is, this is fine. And I think eventually as things start to optimize and, you know, maybe 10 or 15 down year, 15 years down the road, once that machine has learned like, okay, they're making tweaks based on this, this is, this, it's self-learning, right? Yeah. So it might eventually get to a point where, where all someone's doing is just reading copy or something that a, a computer has oh, made and it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's, that's good. Versus like actually thinking outside of the box creatively. Really interesting. Do you think that like now I'm thinking of like client relations, you know, different roles in advertising in an industry. Do you see AI ever kind of like, I don't, I also don't think it would ever take over that position, but what is your take on how it could work with an account person? Um, well, I think the account person could be the one monitoring what this, what this right, thing right. does, right? right? So maybe it does take over creative roles. Like maybe it does. And the accounts person just reviews that. Right. Hey, I mean, but I don't think, I don't, if you're, the question is like whether or not the AI becomes the accounts person too. Like, I don't know if that can ever really happen because mm-hmm. our roles are pretty unique and subjective. But creativity can sometimes feel very objective. You know what I mean? With the way yeah. that the machine is just kind of pumping out stuff. And by mm-hmm. machine, I mean AI, I should say. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's always just kind of this like buzz word in a sense where it's like, oh, AI is coming for all the jobs and we're all going to be unemployed, but not really. I mean, some jobs for sure. Like I think they've talked about, you know, um, computers replacing cashiers for, for how long, but I mean, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's exactly it. Right. And I think really I'm not, I'm not huge in that space, but I'm, I think I'm not worried about that personal aspect for the most part. We absolutely, absolutely. And when you think about it, like, uh, you know, a few minutes ago, we were talking about how certain companies don't even have like e-commerce set up or digital advertising set up. So I think yeah. that if this does happen, that don't think it's going to happen for another at least 25 or 50 years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We'll start figuring out digital in 10 years and then AI in 20 years. And it's wild that even companies don't even have websites sometimes. And I'm like, what yeah. are you doing? Like, I don't know. But I do I, think that's where something where AI could come in handy is like creating those, you know, almost just those websites and those experiences for some very small businesses that don't need anything fancy and just need something really quick and put together. Yeah. Really speed that up for them. So I don't disagree at all. Use your advantage. But those are the um, those are the two topics we have. So what Malik mentioned earlier is, you know, get in touch with us on Instagram or send us an email, info at themadmix.com and just mention any topics, you know, subjects, anything you want to, you know, have a conversation about and we'll mention it on the podcast in the, the following episode. Something we definitely want to continue. So that was episode 19. Um 
we'll have a bunch of new episodes obviously coming out in the next uh, couple months as we wrap up the year. But um, again, just to reiterate Dak's point, got anything that you want to talk about, just please um, drop us a line and, and we'll talk about it on the next episode. But that was episode 19. Thanks so much for tuning in.